This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Alright, welcome along people. Some serious shit has once again gone down in the world of hobbies over the past week. The great Shane Warne was finally laid to rest for a second time in a nationally broadcasted ticketed event which ultimately... Beyond the obvious grief of his family was a huge celebrity circle jerk, which achieved little more than highlighting the ever-widening gap between celebrities and the rest of us. Our celebrity-obsessed culture helps to explain why there were so many people who identify as actual grown-ups who couldn't help themselves but to attend a stranger's funeral or to run on to the SCG when Buddy Franklin slotted his thousandth goal. Warney's second funeral resembled a cheesy television panel show more than it did a funeral for mine, a collection of middle-aged talking heads in blazers reminiscing for the sake of nostalgia. Good for you, boys. But I guess that's what funerals are for. Not too often anyone tells the god-awful truth at a funeral, is there? And understandable, that is. Thankfully, I've not yet been asked to do a eulogy. Give it time. Some of Warren's best friends couldn't make it to the public event, so did the next best thing and garnered as much publicity as they could for their non-appearance. I don't know about you, but if any of my best mates ever needed me, I'd be on the first plane, bus, train or ship to get to them or their family. The old video message just doesn't quite cut it for me. Priorities, eh? Meanwhile, the Australian women's cricket team won the Cricket World Cup, thrashing England by 71 runs. Alyssa Healy, top scoring with 170 runs from only 138 balls. I might be married to one, but I can still get excited whenever Australia beats the Poms. Not that it's all that hard. Uh, The AFL Women's Grand Final is on this weekend, and I'll be making sure that to further inspire young Boris that her, I and young Sam will be watching it. Interestingly, while there is rarely any negative publicity regarding women's sport, it's never too long between drinks on the men's front. My mate Bug Eyes from the Territory, he sent me an article on Saturday regarding the AFL team I support, Hawthorne. Like many of the AFL clubs, the Hawks were shown to have had serious difficulty with cultural awareness, meaning they barely if ever recruited or retained Indigenous players when I was younger. Famously, not in a good way, the Hawks players racially abused the West Coast Eagles star Chris Lewis for the entirety of the 1991 Grand Final won by the Hawks. As for the things were different then, defence, it's a little bit flimsy in my view. Nevertheless, with the recruitment of all-time greats Lance Buddy Franklin and Cyril Rioli among others, it appeared that Hawthorne had finally demonstrated an ability to move with the times 
and develop some cultural understanding. Well, at least that's what they wanted us to believe. It turns out that the reason Cyril Rioli suddenly departed the Hawks during the 2018 season came after, and this sentence probably won't surprise anyone. Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett spoke to Cyril Rioli's wife Shannon in a manner that ultimately precipitated the champion footballer's dramatic exit from the club. And of course, just like the Adam Goods saga, being when he was racially abused playing against Collingwood, the Kennett incident also occurred during the Indigenous round. What a better time to do it, eh? Apparently, Kennett wasn't too pleased with the jeans that Rioli's wife was wearing, and he let his displeasure be known. Among other patronising acts, Kennett offered Shannon Rioli some loose change from his pockets to get her jeans stitched up. And again, proving that comedy's a little bit harder than it looks. Uh, but that's where we're still there, people. Jesus fucking Christ, there's players with tattooed faces now, and some stuffy old prick with a face like a crushed up paper bag... He's worried about what some gorgeous young woman he's wearing. It's 2022. Like, I mightn't like all of the clothes I people see people wear and some of the G-strings I see at the beach, but I respect their right to broadcast their hideous physiques as much as they want to. Now, I've, I've, I've Googled her and seen how Shannon Rioli dresses, and I've also seen Jeff Kennett's uninspiring wardrobe. And take it from me, the former has far superior fashion sense. Uh, There were other issues involving Rioli that expedited his exit from the club, including some that were race-related. I read in the media today that Jeff Kennett at one point boasted of owning a gollywog called Buddy. Classy stuff. Fuck me and ripped jeans are the problem. (laughs) Kennett can think himself lucky that Rioli doesn't have a similar temperament as Will Smith or the gibbering old fuckstick could have taken his jaw home in a sling. On assessing this among many incidents, you could almost go as far as to say that all of this inclusivity, respect and diversity bullshit the AFL and many other organisations bang on about is nothing short of morally fashionable lip service. Do as I say, not as I do. And like many before him, Jeff Kennett symbolises those power-hungry, conservative types who are desperately trying to shape the world in their own image. Their capacity to implement or endorse change is almost non-existent. They use their privileged life experiences and archaic belief systems as guidance. Of course they want the world to remain how it's been for them. Why wouldn't they? And it's no different to what politicians do. They tick the boxes of dealing with racism, misogyny and all that other shit with the same depth of conviction as they tick a box playing trivia at the pub. It means fucking nothing and they rule the world. It's their world, not ours. We're all just pawns in it. These belligerent cunts have all the power, not because they're the most suitable for the positions they crave or because they're extraordinarily gifted, but because they have the thick skins of a spoilt brat, superior social standing, powerful contacts and networking connections due to their families or the days spent at elite schools. They retain power because they can dominate discussions, bring publicity, donors, money and sponsors to their organisation. Like Warney's funeral, just one massive boys club. And they do it in plain sight too. There's nothing surreptitious about it. Like politicians gifting each other high-paying cushy jobs for favours rendered. You tell me how an ex-Queensland cop like Peter Dutton can be worth $300 million. 
Even if he'd pocketed every fine he ever issued when he was a walloper, he couldn't be worth that. Fuck these people entirely. We live in a completely separate world to them, and we put up with them and their fucking lip service. Cyril Rioli was one in a million. Jeff Kennedy's a dime a dozen. What a prick. And they shame men. And like Ash Barty and Adam Goods, you might see a pattern here, albeit for differing reasons. Good on Rioli for walking away. Most of us have remained in yucky situations for way longer than Rioli did. Enormous courage for him to walk away. And for it to have taken four years for the actual story to break. Rioli could have made a song and dance about it at the time, but didn't. If only that arsehole Kennett had the same level of dignity as Cyril. If Hawthorne affair income, they'll fuck the old fool off. He's never changed and never will. And when they finally put the dinosaur out to pasture, let's hope they replace him with someone who not only says the right things, but does them too. No matter how little I generally think of people who change the footy clubs they support, there was a time on Sunday, the very first time in my life that I envisaged supporting the Sydney Swans. Then I watched a little bit of Carton playing Hawthorne and started yelling at the television. I was momentarily tempted though. Fucked if I know how, but we've got to find a way to get a different calibre of human being into power. Half the problem is that decent human beings don't want it. I've often wondered, even though I have a reasonably strong political leaning, why I detest most prominent politicians, acknowledging the majority of them as sociopaths. They're just serial killers in suits who'd sell their own families if it served their ambition. Who other than an egomaniac lunatic would firstly think they had the skills and secondly want the responsibility of making decisions for a country of 35 million people like Australia? I struggle with deciding what fucking t-shirt to wear every day. What sort of unhinged, enormous ego must you have to think that you're worthy of such responsibility? That of a pathologically narcissistic sociopath. Imagine being at university and instead of drinking, smoking and rooting as much as you can, you're thinking, I can be Prime Minister of this country and spend my days meeting leaders from other countries who are also pretending that they know what they're doing. If you think like that, you need to wake up to yourself, put some music on, grab a beer, hang out with some mates, smoke a joint and just calm the fuck down. You're not that important or special. No one is. Which brings me to con men or even women. It's a newish hobby for me of late, one I've become a little bit obsessed about. I've been watching and listening to heaps of documentary style shows, biopics, podcasts, lately about con artists. Obviously, most of them are American. Uh, The thing that strikes me most about American cons and true crime shows in particular, and I've mentioned this before, is how there is hardly, if ever, a single upstanding human being in them, one you'd cross the street to talk to, much less sit and have a drink with. They are always chock full of people so ridiculously gullible, stupid, lonely, evil, soulless, self-obsessed and vacuous that if they were all removed from the planet, it would instantly become a better place. And I mean almost all of them, the Connors and the Connies. All of them from the prosecution to the defence to the journalists to the conspirators to the self-described victims to the token homeless person, they are almost always a grandstanding, insufferable piece of shit in these podcasts and shows. In all of them that I've watched, listened to and read about, which I can assure you is quite a lot of late, the only two remotely decent people that I can recall in any of them 
were Ronald Goldman's parents. They were the parents of the guy who was unfortunate enough to be in the company of O.J. Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole, on the night they were both murdered. The rest, in a cast of hundreds, pond life. Over the past couple of weeks, I've watched a few streaming docos and biopics about con men. Actually, two of these con artists were women, and the third is a male-female duo. So it's really good to see women strive for equality is finally paying dividends. Uh, The first one was Inventing Anna. It's about a socially retarded, arrogant Russian pretending to be a German heiress. She's on some sort of spectrum, maybe a couple, at the very least a psychopath one. She gets millions of dollars out of bankers, motels and friends. Use the term friends loosely. Uh, The shallow New York victims, they just wanted so badly to believe that they were going to be part of something special that would make them a lot of money that they basically just believed anything. And they were definitely part of something special, a collection of supreme fucking idiots taken for a ride by an acerbic woman with ideas well above her station. Uh, My favourite recent one was Bad Vegan. This one's about a woman named Sama. Now, Sama is a Turkish word meaning wrapped. And fuck me, I couldn't have been more surprised if I'd found out that Shane Warne was posthumously diagnosed as a sex addict. But Sama is her real name. And wrapped Sama was around the finger of a con man, or so she claims. Even though there's not much to spoil, I won't spoil it for you, other than to say Sama, who proclaims to enjoy her own company so much that she posts thousands of pictures of her and her dog to social media every week, was a famous vegan chef. Personally, I would have thought the term vegan chef is oxymoronic. Uh, Assembler of ingredients might be more realistic, but fuck, what would I know? Uh, After a series of failed relationships, Sama ends up in love with a bloke who slid into her social media DMs. Before too long, he tells her that he works (laughs) for the CIA. And not long after that, he asks her for money. And a little while after that, he tells her that he can make her beloved pit bull (laughs) immortal. I know, I know, (laughs) but we're still meant to feel sorry for Sama. She's the victim, remember? No victim blaming. Not so much of a victim, however, that it stopped her from going to jail for her role in the fraud. Nor... Did it stop her from getting a film crew to uh, film the days leading up to her imprisonment? You know, just in case someone wanted to make a documentary portraying her as a victim sometime in the future. Still a proud vegan to the very end, Sama was most excited upon greeting the crew who just happened to be waiting outside the clink on the day of her release, able to film her as she walked out of prison Uh, But she was bragging then about lecturing and hopefully having converted a prison guard to veganism. If only someone had been as vociferous in lecturing her about the importance of paying her staff their wages and not getting hooked up with a man whose name was basically Red Flags. Anyways, you'll be pleased to hear that Sama is making amends by writing a book and talking to anyone who'll listen to her about her time as a victim. Look, I know that we keep getting told that this sort of thing could happen to literally anyone. And I'll tell you what, when I hear a victim of a con described as a happily married, well-adjusted, emotionally mature, critical thinker with a tremendous sense of self, I'll believe it. 
But so long as the victims of cons continue to appear as desperate, lonely, greedy, shallow and stupid, please excuse my failure to swallow the victim rhetoric. And I say that as someone who's been hoodwinked on more than one occasion. I've lent money to people that I've never got back. I've been catfished. I went out with a girl once who swore blind that she couldn't give less of a fuck about Valentine's Day. Now, obviously, I believed her, when obviously I shouldn't have. Turns out she was a liar. She did care about Valentine's Day quite a bit. But at least it didn't cost me several hundred thousand dollars. It cost me the silent treatment, which debatably is probably just as bad. Let's be honest here, people. When it comes to cons, there's stupid, and then there's really fucking stupid. The one I'm watching right now is called The Dropout. It's about a woman more socially retarded and awkward than I thought was possible. Uh, Another one who has invented her personality in front of a mirror and her voice. Uh, She expressed a desire to be a billionaire when she was a teenager. A young teenager. That's the point where the intervention should have occurred. When her parents should have had got straight onto the blower to the men in the white coats and requested they bring a tranquilizer and straitjacket around to their joint straight away. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes dropped out of Stanford University and along with a pervert, much older boyfriend, started a company uh, that claimed to be able to perform blood tests courtesy of a simple little finger-pricking device that you'd be able to purchase at your local chemist or supermarket in a place also known as a wellness centre. Among many other despicable acts, Holmes might actually be the dreadful person responsible for coining that phrase wellness centre. And if she is... She should be jailed for life for that alone. Uh, Holmes got former US senators, celebrities, military heroes, global companies, and even Rupert Murdoch to invest billions in her scam. I mean, mean scheme. The only problem was that it was all bullshit, and she knew it. And so too could have the patronising investors if they'd performed the slightest bit of due diligence instead of being blinded by dollar signs and succumbing to the lure of a pretty blonde who made them feel good about their deeply conflicted contribution to feminist progress. Holmes was condescendingly credited with smashing the glass ceiling, when in reality it's the creepy old men who, blissfully unaware of their hypocrisy, gave her permission to smash it. Holmes managed all of this despite the fact it was blatantly obvious that she was as queer as a lemonade sandwich. And I don't mean queer as in the queer community. I mean queer as in a very strange individual. Yes, the word queer retains a duality of meaning, so you can all relax. Uh, There's another one too, another one of these docos or biopics, Tinder Swindler, where the main protagonist, thankfully, or women might start to get a bad reputation, was a charming and charismatic seedy male. Now, I can't tell you much about this one because I only made it through five minutes uh, because the first woman being interviewed started perpetuating the myth of knights in shining armour and soulmates with a straight face and I had to go and projectile vomit into the dog's bowl. So get into watching and listening to stuff about con women and sometimes men. They're the best. Uh, Devoid of empathy and a conscience, the only thing more astounding than the balls they have to pull off their cons is the willingness of the desperately gullible victims to submit themselves to secondary harm uh, by broadcasting their shame on international television shows. Weddings, a great hobby, not in the Elizabeth Taylor way, but as a guest. Uh, We're going to one tomorrow, 7th of April, which coincides with my daughter Boris's birthday. 
And the poor kid's eighth will have to take a back seat this year as one of my all-time favourite people, my niece, is getting married to another one of my favourites, another beautiful woman. Now, not that it's about me, but of course it did mean that for one of the few times in the past 20 years, I would be required to wear something other than jeans and a t-shirt. You see, if I were a suit, I just look like a former rugby league player who's about to be introduced as the defendant. And worse, I feel cramped and unnatural. I'm no Jeff Kennett. Uh, Plus, where weddings are a great hobby, shopping is a really shit one. Before I got married, I went shopping with one of the two T's who doubled as the person to give Lou away. Who else would be in a position to ensure I looked the part other than a gay man? We spent longer shopping than I ever have in my life, and in the end, the poor bastard gave up trying, and I ended up borrowing pants off my mate John. I got a shirt from Vinnie's and borrowed shoes from Kenny. I planned to do the same again for my niece's wedding, but stumbled across a pair of cool dacks and a shirt in an actual shop, sorted in five minutes for under 100 bucks. The perfect shopping expedition was complete when I found a pair of great shoes for 20 bucks in the local Vinnie's. Now all I need is a few more wedding invites so I can get my money's worth out of the new clobber. It's Victim of the Week. Multiple victims this week. The Melbourne International Comedy Festival is on, which means there is currently an abundance of already insecure people wandering the streets searching for validation in the self-proclaimed comedy capital of the universe as they, for a variety of reasons, struggle to get people to come and see them talk about being bi, broken or bamboozled by life. The entire effort required for the Melbourne experience means that rather than admit defeat, like you've got to when you see the scoreboard in football, these poor sods have to continue to put on a brave face and pretend they're having a great time while losing copious amounts of money and whatever remains of their self-worth. Then there will be the sometimes scathing reviews written by people who know as much about comedy as Jeff Kennett does. My thoughts and prayers are with you, comedians. Even the shit ones. You lot, that'll just about do it for another week. There's all sorts of shit happening around here today and I'm in a hurry. I've got stuff to do and I'm sure you have too. I'll be headlining Happy Endings Comedy Club in King's Cross this weekend and emceeing the Sydney Comedy Store all next week. And a reminder, my Sydney Comedy Festival show, doing my own research, is on the 12th and 13th of May. Get in and get some tickets. I'll post links in the show notes if I remember. And I should have a poster done by this weekend, uh, created by my very talented, multi-talented friend, Stephanie Broadbridge, comedian, artist, musician. Sure, she can do other stuff too. Uh, Anyway, look after yourselves, and it's goodbye from me, and goodbye from your hobby is shit. Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well, I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it. Or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast... I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor and complaints handler at Your Hobby is Shit.
So, Boris, are you excited about Tiggy and Beck's wedding? Yeah, but it's also my birthday. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to care about your birthday this year. Oh, great! <laughs> um, Sammy, what about you, mate? Are you excited about your cousin and her girlfriend getting married? Yeah, as long as there's ice cream, I'm good. <laughs> That's all you care about, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>